Hello, welcome to another episode of IRC Book Club. I'm Jonathan Graham and I am with my erstwhile and long-standing and long-suffering colleague, Michael Price. Hello. <laughs> How are you, Pricey? Good. Good. So today <laughs> on IRC Book Club, we start a new book. The book is Getting Things Done, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity from the New York Times bestselling author, David Allen, who has provided us with a brand new edition for 2015, um, which is perhaps a, a tad behind the game, but David will be coming on the show. And to be fair, listeners, David is an A-list player in the world of personal productivity. The GTD method is global, and I know of some people who are nigh on... Obsessive acolytes of this process. I didn't like this system when I read this book, however long ago it was I read it. And I don't really, but I know some really, really, really wealthy people who stick to this system. Yeah, I know one in particular who I used to work for. They really stick to it. Who is an obsessive GTDist. Yeah. And of all the different methodologies of time management, blah, blah, blah. If there was a pie chart on LinkedIn, I reckon this would get the biggest wedge of pie, I would have thought. Well, it's interesting, Mike, because actually I have a personal theory about personal productivity. Oh, yeah. And my personal theory about personal productivity is actually that a lot of the people that we work with aren't that interested in it and don't understand the correlation between an efficient, clean and well computed and well-designed personal productivity system and sales success yeah i don't know i think i think the bad ones don't i think the good ones get the fact that we to to be successful they've got to make the most of their time yeah they've got to get through the water as quick as they yeah, can yeah 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 so without any further ado let's begin okie doke how uh, how much do we uh, as as we always do on the show we uh, like to talk about the foreword and my goodness there's a lot of preamble in this one yeah i mean i mean let's be clear this is an updated book updated for the modern environment yes and that's why it's called a revised edition i think it's worth noting that the underlying principle of it hasn't really changed much the framework of what he's of, of the system hasn't changed much yeah i mean it, he's revised it to take into account you know a, the, a the slightly way the more modern digital yeah, world exactly so the, the the guy that writes the foreword who is who's the guy that wrote the foreword i don't know but you know there's some really good guys that are very interested in this book oh, oh some of the people that are involved and in that are, are are fans of the gtd methodology are are, are true a-list successful people um he says here in the foreword, getting things done refers to, but does not depend on any specific external system. David Abdul Allen has updated the advice in this book to reflect what is different in modern technology and also what modern brain science has revealed. And the book does get very interesting towards the end when he starts talking about actually the cognitive science behind... I think the last chapter when he talks about it. cognitive science in that university, was it Swedish University or something? I think that should have been the first chapter, actually. Yeah, I, I, it'll be interesting when David comes on the show... To be able to ask him why he wrote all the theory at the back of the book, Not is the it be, is it because actually what he wanted to do was get you straight into getting some practical results? Don't know, but the book's broken down into three parts, uh, and part one uh, is titled "The Art of Getting Things Done." So, should we start with chapter one, a new practice for a new reality? Uh, yeah, 
Yeah, I think I, I'm still on the introduction here, Pricey. All right, okay. Yeah, so in the introduction, he gives us a little bit of a of an explanation of why he's rewritten it, what it's all about, and I think you've pointed out he's rewritten it for a more modern world. And what he's talking about is, and what he talks about is that the book deals with what he refers to as the content and the meaning of the things we need to manage, irrespective of how it shows up. Okay. And that's a lot of the premise of the book is, what actually is it and what does it mean to me and what do I do with it next? Okay. It is a key premise. And then he, what he talks about is staying on top of and leveraging ever-evolving technologies adds pressure to getting one's appropriate workflow methodology right. And what he does talk about and what was interesting is... Um, th- I think there's a big distinction between digital and analog systems that people use. Mm. Uh, and I was very fortunate to listen to David Allen's appearance on the Tim Ferriss show, where he was alluding a lot to um, the importance of actually being able to use an analog system before actually you can be successful with the digital system. And I think for me, before we even dive into the book, one of the challenges I've seen a lot of people have in my career, particularly as a manager and particularly with people who are now millennials and some of the people who are still Gen Z that have joined us as a business, is that they've not understood how to use a basic analogue personal management process Mm. and then have drowned horribly in a digital one. Yeah, I mean, you're probably right, but I think there's plenty of millennials that millennials are quite organised. Oh, of course there are. That haven't learned to use an analogue system. Of course. They've just grown up in a digital system. I actually think organisation, and not much of what it, this book talks about, is common sense. Common and sense personal, and... A, personal self-strictness to, be, to, to apply. Common, common sense, sense and a desire to be organised. Yeah, exactly. And, and, a, and an understanding and comprehension. I've written here, self-management is a skill like cold calling and relationship building. Uh, ironically, it's never in a job spec. No, it never is, actually. And is that because it's a given or because actually our clients don't realise how important a skill it is? Because the clients only try and measure output, don't they? Which is how much the person's sold. And they don't go deeper into they don't, the... They don't. But I, I'm trying to think of a client, actually, before I say this, but I can't think of one who actually looks at the component parts of the salesperson and what that makeup is and what makes them be successful. I can't think of any clients that I've ever known that do that, actually. No, and that's a much wider conversation, isn't it, about mm. un- understanding job specs. So, uh, and that's it. And then we start on this bit, welcome to getting, getting things done. I actually wrote, there are words here in this book where they just don't need to be. Um, and that gives me mixed emotions about what is in reality a very useful text. Um, and what he's talking about is that the book is going to teach you how to be maximally efficient and relaxed whenever you need or want to be is the main purpose of writing the book. And what he's talking about is the importance of being that organised that it creates mental space for creativity and thinking. Yeah, I mean, it's it's common sense though, that, isn't it? If if you're trying to remember loads of stuff, you can't. You can't have any creativity. Something I thought about a lot whilst I was reading this book was I thought a lot about you, Mike. Oh, did you? Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I did, actually, because I I know, and I knew you would be sat here saying, well, that's common sense, that's obvious. But I think that you and me are, you know, I, I remember back in the day, 
sitting in on Brown Lane West, and you and I had file drawers and card index folders. And I remember if you weren't performing or if I wasn't performing, somebody would come over from head office and they'd go through your organisational systems like a dose of salt. Yeah, yeah, and it was always a telltale sign, wasn't it? It was always a telltale sign of somebody who wasn't cutting it. Their systems weren't right. Yeah, or their diary was messy. Or their diary was messy. So one of the things I thought about a lot when I started reading this book was that to you this was all very, very, very obvious and that you would it would drive you mad because I don't think you realise how unobvious it probably is to a lot of other people. Well, let's find out. Let's go through it. All righty. So, um, um, yeah, what he's getting at is we've all got loads of stuff in our heads. It's the central premise of the book, isn't it? Yes. We've all got the, the stuff in our heads, the... Well, that's what I just said to you, you know, if you're trying to remember loads of things, how can you be yeah. creative? That's if, his point. If it's in your head, you stuff. cannot think. Yeah, if yeah. you can't think, you can't win, and if you can't win, you can't be successful. And that's his point. If it's not written down, if it's not in a system, if it's... I wish he tight... just said that. Yes, the, the most elegant way of saying it is, and he said it, I think, in the previous editions, he talked a lot more about what he called psychic RAM. He just in mentioned a, it once in this book. Actually. Whereas in previous editions, he really ra- rammed home on it. He seems to have really used it a lot less. And his point in the in, in previous versions of the book is... If you're remembering what you've got to do, remembering where you've got to be, remembering that you've got your kids' drama class on Thursday, if, if, if it's in your memory and not in a system, it's taking up random access memory like a computer and it's slowing that computer down. And actually that RAM is designed for thinking, not remembering. Hmm. And, that, and that's the, the core bit. Then he's, uh, And then he, he kind of, ex, he, he's still explaining why. He's making a point here, he, he quotes Peter Drucker a little bit, that work doesn't have the boundaries it used to. So we're now in part one. We're now in the first chapter. Are we in part one? We are, yeah. So a new practice for a new reality. Yes. So so there's a few things actually on this page. Work no longer has clear boundaries. I just don't agree with that. Go on, what do you mean? I, I, I think people just use that as an excuse for themselves. Work no longer has clear boundaries. Yes, it does. Go on, just expand. Well, what, well, what is it to expand? He's going to say... Oh, well, when you get home, you've still got your mobile phone on, so your home life is blended in with your work life and you've still got it on at the weekend. It's just nonsense, that. Yeah, I mean, let's get it right. I just don't buy that. I get his point that during pre-industrial revolution, work had much clearer boundaries. But it only... only But we've all been doing knowledge work now. But it only has less clear boundaries because people to allow allow it to have less clear boundaries. And I said this in the... There was another book that we did that I quite liked, actually. Um, where he was talking about you having your mobile phone. And 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 he's got all this, everybody gets 100, 150 plus email requests a day. No, they don't. I just don't think they do. I think people get about 10 emails a day, but people wear the other 140 as a badge of honour and a badge of business. And I, and the unfortunate thing for me in this book is that is that he said this first and everybody else has then latched onto it. But a lot of the premises that he writes about, people not having clear boundaries, and then he goes on about our jobs and lives keep changing and blah de blah The average professional is more of a free agent these days than ever before, changing careers as often as his or her parents once changed jobs. Blah-dee, 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 blah. I, yeah. I just don't buy it. Some of it's a bit, a bit of verbiage, isn't it? 
I think he makes some positive points in there, though. Well, I quite like the because, first few chapters. You know, you look at a I lot of... I don't sound too negative about it. I do quite like You it. look at a lot... He says there are no edges to a lot of our projects. And that is true. This is a great example. Book Club is a project without end. Yeah, but it does have edges, though, doesn't it? Yeah, and it has definable tasks. Because I read my book... But it has definable tasks because you and I are organised and but, we know... What... I read my book from 7.30 to 9 on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. I don't read it at any other time. Yes, but if you look at it as a project in its own right, it just rolls and, it, and it's amorphous and it morphs and it's improvable. And his point is, in previous eras, that wasn't the case. But the reality is, the world we live in Nobody knows anything other than a world of amorphous projects. Mm, I agree. No, no you know, I, I don't know anybody in our universe who doesn't know no better than a world of amorphous projects and, and and commitments. Yeah, I mean, basically, for the people listening, what he's getting on about this chapter is that actually we've all got really complicated lives where different parts of it are blended into different parts of it, and I'm going to create a system that's going to stop that happening. Th yeah. That's sort of what this chapter's about, really, isn't it? Yeah. And he says some good stuff. The basic requirements for managing commitments, page 14. First of all, if it's on your mind, your mind isn't clear. Fair enough. Completely Anything you true. consider unfinished anyway must be captured in a trust trusted system outside of your mind. Fair enough. Absolutely fair enough. Second, you must clarify exactly what your commitment is. Fair enough. Third, once you've decided on all the actions you need to take, you must keep reminders of them in an organised, in a system that you review regularly. Fair enough. Yes, and I think, uh, do you know, I think, I think a lot of people don't have a system. Mm, possibly. Do you know what I think most people's systems are? Well, my wife hasn't got one. What, I'm not saying that's What do you her. think, I, I, I reckon, if we did a straw poll of 100 people, if we, took the, an, if we took the last 100 CVs that the business received in chronological order, went back to each of those candidates and said, show me your system, I think... 70 to 80% of them would say, my system is flags in the Outlook inbox. Possibly, but this, the, 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 the conversation of having a system then gets you into sales automation, specifically for a sales function. Yes, and we're looking at this book from the, from the through mm. the lens of two sales recruiters who live in a world with sales So this people. is talking about salespeople. So actually, the modern salesperson, be it for good or bad... The sales automation in outreach with a task and a reminder, or the sales automation that exists in Salesforce, or I'm sure Microsoft. That's a system. I've never seen Microsoft Dynamics, but I'm pretty sure it's the same kind of theme. That actually, yeah, that's you, your employers having created a system for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we, uh, and the 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 IT industry, and this is for everybody, is creating a system that it drives people down a path because people don't have their own workflow. Yeah, workflow. What is it? System. It's just this. But I think people's jobs as salespeople, as business people, you know, I, I, part of, if you look at my my desk, part of my stuff is managed in, in a CRM stroke contact management system. And that system has got hundreds of tasks in it. And the right tasks turn up at the right time. And when it's time for me to get on my phone, I call the right people at the right time with the right number in front of me there and then with the right reference material. Bang, 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 bang. And I can fire through calls at an extremely rapid rate. And I'm actually at my happiest doing that. That's, that's me in my little happy space. But then there are other things like, for example, organising book club or looking at other projects. For example, you know, you think of a salesperson that's got to organise an event. Where does he manage that? Well, 
Actually, this is the best bit in the book. Oh, what do you mean? Where does he currently manage it? Well, yes. So you've got sales guy X, and he works in a small company where he doesn't have that much marketing support, and he thinks, I'm going to put an event on at Chelsea, at Stamford Bridge, and I'm going to invite 50 finance directors. Where, that's not in his Salesforce system, is it? No, it's not. And, the, and what David Allen's getting at is that's the workflow bit that often people are missing. To actually look at that project, define it, and completely get it done. But David's got the answer on page 22. I can't wait for you to tell me about it, Michael. And I mean, this is literally the best bit in the book. So the book for me, I was expecting to hate it because I thought the last one was rubbish. But I sort of quite like this, really. He talks about horizontal and vertical action management. Why do you like that so much? Um, well, I thought you'd love it. <laughs> it's exactly how Asana works. Yes. In, in every direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got a column with certain stuff and then you've got certain actions in it. Yeah. And you can manage across it. Now, I actually personally don't like Asana, but that is That's how... That's only because it's a system that doesn't quite well, it doesn't, speak it, to you. It doesn't quite speak to my very particular, yeah. slightly odd way of managing You've my got life. a perfectly decent system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, And it, listeners, to be fair to Michael, he has multiple systems. He has a system that he uses at work and he has a Google Notes and Tasks... <laughs> system for his personal life that is very 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 solid but but this is what david allen's going on about horizontal and vertical action management i wish he'd written more about that i think that's the best bit of that chapter do you know i like i think there's a couple of other bits here um i think the first bit is that and i think this is something really valid and it's easy to skip over it where he talks about just going back to if it's on your mind your mind isn't clear yeah yeah you and i Literally, it was beaten into us. Yeah. Write it down. Well, then you'd have uh, Steve Griffith or Dave Shield checking your diary randomly in three months' time. Correct. Where, I told you this three months ago. Where, oh, it's well, in your diary. You'd think Good of man. A, you'd be in a morning meeting and you'd think of a match and our bosses would make a note of whether we'd written down that match in our diaries. Yeah, yeah. In a place that was then recallable... But you know we, what? The people that wrote the match down were always billed the most. Because what they wanted to know was, is this guy sharp? Is he on it? Yeah, And it yeah. wasn't about whether we were mentally sharp. It was whether we had the self-discipline to write things down. So to you and I, that's a total given. Write it down. A great example of that is, uh, we were just talking about holidays before. My wife uh, and I uh, go sometimes to this resort in, in Greece. It's really nice. Five star, all inclusive, yada, 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 yada beautiful place the standards are extremely high the guy who runs the hotel who's got a very very successful career now he runs about five hotels we've actually kept in touch with him because we've been to those for a while sometimes you watch him walking around the hotel and he'll see something he doesn't like and he has a samsung galaxy note 10 or whatever it is phone with the little pen on it and if he sees something he doesn't like the moment he sees it he just goes takes a photo then writes on the photo what he doesn't like and then sends it to the relevant department head there and then with a task note in his own system for follow-up. But that's why the standards are high. Yeah, yeah. Because exactly. he writes. nothing. There's nothing that's inside bet, his brain. And I bet he comes back to it and thinks, oh, I'd forgotten I sent that. But it's all right that I'd forgotten I'd sent it. It's okay that he'd forgotten he sent it because the next time he sits down with the department head, yeah, there was uh, some glasses out in the cafe upstairs. There was a rat in the kitchen. <laughs> there were some glasses out in the cafe upstairs that hadn't been collected for more than three minutes. Why? 
What's the but what's the hotel called in Greece? The Metropole, <laughs> where there's rats in the kitchen. But you're absolutely right. And it's that's what he's that's what David Allen's getting at. He just didn't, he just didn't word it that. Succinctly. And actually, what he should what would have been nice in the book there is a, a couple of better examples of the concept of if it if it's on your mind, your mind isn't clear. Exactly. On page twenty five, he makes reference to your mental ram, which I know you're happy about. Yay. Okay, that, that's me done for chapter one. Any other comments? You had enough. Well, I've, I've, I've said the things that are important to me, yes. Here you go. No reason to ever have the same thought twice unless you like having that thought. Any would, could or should commitment held only in the psyche creates irrational and unresolvable pressure 24-7. And like you say, he refers to, to psychic ram. Then we're into chapter two. Getting control of your life, the five steps of mastering workflow, which are... One, capture what has our attention. Two, clarify what each item means and what to do about it. Three, organise the results. And four, reflect on, which we then choose to engage with. And this, by the way, manages the, constitutes the management of the horizontal aspect of our lives. Yes. So it's worth thinking about that. Um, in, uh, as uh, the wolf would say, insofar as, um, the... You're going to look at your uh, vertical, your columns, and then down the side, what I think David Allen would have you do is look across horizontally with each of those uh, five stages, which is why I think it's like Asana, actually. Yes. Well, Asana is a very GTDE. It wouldn't surprise me at all if the, ma- if the guy or girl who uh, invented it's, Asana was a GTD person. Yes, it's a very flexible piece of technology, but uh, I think that a, a lot of the focus is on a GTD style this methodology, process. Isn't it? Lots of projects, tasks that relate to those projects, cross-reference the projects. But that's where sometimes I think this system falls down, is Asana supersedes it technologically. Uh, only because it's tech and you can access it from any browser anywhere. Access and blah, it, blah, blah, and blah. I can access my reference material and I can cross-reference projects with another project and so on. And, and his point is most people have massive weakness in their capture process. Yes, and very I think, true that. I, and I think they do. And, it, and from my own experience... A lot of that, though, I think. You, know, you think about our audience. How are they going to effectively capture things when they're driving in their car? You know, you got to think about this. Well, in the, the old days, in the old days, pricey. I, I remember a lot of sales guys used to walk around with little well, well, tape no, machines. No, I'm talking in their car, driving in the outside lane of the M1 at 69 miles an hour, which is what I suspect all of the listeners do. Because um, you know, sometimes you see sales guys, obviously sales guys, who've got a notebook stuck near their steering wheel so they can write stuff yeah, down. Yeah, great. Now, that's very dangerous. Clearly, must be illegal. It's got to be illegal to write whilst you're driving, hasn't it? I used to work with a fella, uh, Christ, I wonder what he's doing now. I mean, we're talking 26, 27 years ago, called Stephen Grimley. I have no idea how the name just came to mind, Pricey. Um, And Steve Grimley used to have a a dictaphone and none of those jokes about how I prefer to use my finger. Um, (laughs) And uh, he used to have this dictaphone in, in the car with him everywhere. And at the time I was working for Parcel Force and I was his internal and he used to, with his with his dictaphone, he'd drive along and he'd look at companies, so he'd say, Barson's Engineering, and he'd pick up his dictaphone and he'd go, Barson's Engineering. Do you know what I do? And then he'd look at another one and he'd say, such and such and such and such. And and he'd but and then he'd come back into the office and he'd play the tape to me and I'd write them all down and canvas them. I'll tell you what I do for capture a lot, is I will email myself from one email address to another. Okay, yeah. Or I will text myself from one phone to another because I've got to work on a personal phone. Or if I'm driving, I phone my personal phone and leave a voicemail. 
I like that. So I come off the phone to, you know, Bill Bloggs. Bill says, yeah, I'll be, I can be at Reading next, you know, Thursday for 2pm to meet Microsoft. Put the phone down to Bill. Phone my personal phone. Yeah, Bill can be in Reading 2pm next Wednesday to meet Microsoft. And then when I get home, I listen to all my voicemails. No, I don't think that's a bad system. It works. Siri's very good for that. I've recently... No, I don't use Siri, actually. I've recently discovered that Siri... Apple have actually given it quite a lot of thought. Yeah, I really mean to get into Siri, actually. It's just uh, I haven't got into it thing more than a... It, literally, you'd think they've put a few developers... I reckon they've put two or three developers on it. Okay. Yeah. Now, this guy's terminal... This guy's idea for capture with a physical uh, in-tray, writing paper and pads... So this is where he loses Michael in a really bad way. Well, what he suggests that we do... There's a list <laughs> of items that we need to buy somewhere, actually. Yeah, so what he's talking about... post-it notes, a big pack of paper... And an intray. Yeah. I so, mean, so what he's talking about here is we're starting to get into some nitty gritty on, on actually getting stuff out of your head and into a place where we can start. In fairness to him, he has got a system for capturing information. Yeah. Which, and, it, you know. and I think one of the things that Michael really doesn't like is the, is the concept of having a physical plastic physical or steel intray. Um, uh, just explain why you don't like it. All right. So uh, I'm in my car. Oh, I've got to write something down for my intro. Well, I can't do that. Um, so so, <laughs> yeah, I'm, so yeah. I'm at work and I think, oh, crikey. It's something to do with the wedding anniversary at some point. Uh, I'll write it. Right, let's say I did it right now. So I've got to get some paper from somewhere. So I haven't got any paper. Maybe I'll rip it out of a book. Then I've got to take it to my intro at home. And then I've got to look through my physical intro and think, well, where does it rank? Does it come before by my daughter's birthday present or after? Obviously, after does it come before? I, I think you're misinterpreting what he's he's referring to there. I'm not. I'll tell you exactly what he's referring to. Write everything down. Put it in an tray. Then sort your tray. That is what he wants you to do. Yeah, and that I, 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 I that is you, you, we can't live with that. No, don't work. That, that's not livable. Having a you, what he does talk about and what he does refer to a lot, and I think he'll really set you straight on this when he comes on the show, is what he refers to as a ubiquitous capture system. I.e., a way in which you can capture anything, anywhere, anytime, anyhow. Now, what he's not really getting into is, for example, you know, Near IR referred to an app called Pocket, which is brilliant for stuff you want to read at another time. Mm, mm. Or Evernote. Or... Uh, if you, I don't know if people who do you use. See, I hate uh, Evernote, but I do get why it's good. Yeah, it's just a. Pl- I, I just throw I use Apple Notes actually, which it's, isn't as good as Evernote, but it's sort of more simple. Well, it's, than it's interesting as Evernote because actually they were meant to be the shit hot thing kids well, on no, the they block. Weren't. They just lost the plot. The the guy I remember reading an interview with the CEO who said he lost his passion for the business. Um, oh, the lights have gone out. Uh, Come light, on, Lily. Uh, the light, the literally has the, the lights have literally gone out in the room because we're sitting so, so still. Anyway, so but uh, yeah, so what he's referring to is placing, making sure that you've got a system where you know where everything is, and that then you've got a workflow through which you know everything is going to get checked. So I know, for example, I know I'm talking about Asana a lot. It's like a, the, the the podcast is sponsored by Asana, but I know, for example, Asana has got a beautiful feature in the iOS app where you press this button and you can scan anything and it OCRs it, turns it into text and sticks the picture in there as a PDF and then creates a task out of it, which is really neat. So if you go to a meeting, you just go, that's now in your Asana inbox. And then at some point you're going to process that and go, right, those are the action items out of it and create subtasks. 
Okay, it really has been written by uh, somebody that's GTD mad, hasn't it, Asana? <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. So the next stage is clarifying. Again, clarifying. I mean, he's got this right. What does it mean? Yeah, and he's got a nice diagram. Page 37. Stuff goes into well, a basket. What is it? Is it actionable? Page 37 is, is, in many respects, the crux of the whole GTD system, isn't it? Yeah, and it's good. So if, if you're listening, guys, uh, guys and girls... Um, what you've got is a workflow diagram, which is the absolute basis of the concept of the GTD system, of which some people are truly obsessive in, in their living. And what he basically says is you've got an in-back basket, so all your ubiquitous capture should end up in one single place, or at least in places that, or two or three single places that you know will get what he refers to as processed and emptied regularly. And then at that point, you ask yourselves a number of questions. One is, what is this? Then the next question is, it's something I can take action on. If it's not, it either goes in the bin, it either goes in a file, for someday maybe we'll talk about files in a minute, or it's reference material, something that you might need access to on another day. In my instance, I use Evernote for all my reference material, or it goes into Dropbox as a folder if it's something that's more formal. If it's actionable, then you ask the question, and this is the really key bit which we'll come back to, what is the next physical action that I can take? If it takes less than two minutes, you do it there and then. If not, you either delegate or defer it. If it takes longer than two minutes and it's got multi-steps, it becomes a project. Yeah, yeah. So if it's got more than, I think it, he refers to it as more, more than two steps, yeah, yeah. it's a project in and of itself. Now, that's for me, that falls down a little bit as a system. Not a bad because, system, though. If you follow no, me, you do all right. Absolutely. For me, the whole concept of creating a project for an for a, for example, getting the car tire fixed on my car today is a multi-step task. Um, it required probably three or four steps to get it done. Does that warrant opening up a whole new project in my project management system? No. It's just a to-do with four sub-to-dos, isn't it? Yep. Really. Um to, to get that done. My pizza so I, oven is a task, is a project. That's a project with lots of multiple parts. I've got to get the parts. wall built, I've got to get the wall screeded, I've got to create Correct. a plinth, I've got to buy the granite, I've got to buy the... You've got to do this. The dome, I've got to do blah, 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 and then they all sort of interconnect. And then some of those have other. dependencies on others. Yeah, well, well, the plinth, the thickness of the plinth depends on the weight of the pizza oven. Knowing the weight of the pizza oven depends on me having emailed the guy, which I did email him, but then he said he was on holiday until the 20th. So where is my notes to follow up with him on the Correct. Say, I emailed you on the 20th, Bill Bloggs, I need to know the weight of your pizza oven, and therefore then I know the weight of my pizza oven, then I'm going to go back to my mate Andy Lacey, who's a and structural what? engineer. <laughs> he builds bridges, this guy. And then Lacey, blah, blah, blah. so it's all complicated. And that's exactly what he's getting at in the do you book. Know, do you know the book, though, is? And I'm not saying this to not the guy. I, I, I've actually, with some of my personal projects... So I've where are this, you managing that? Where am I managing it? So, because I know you, I know you're a really organised guy, Mike. Do you know what I've done with that? And I know that somewhere along the line, that little project plan is written out. Yes, it's in a mind map. Right. With all of the different elements of the mind map are graded using Stephen Covey's A, A, B, C. C. Now, I actually use D for dependent upon. Right. So, so actually, David Allen would be pretty pleased with you, Pricey. Yes. Now, the question is, Jonathan... Where's all your reference material for that? That's a great question. That's in the projects tab in Apple Notes that I can add to using my work from my personal phone, my Mac, my iPad. And so you know exactly where all the reference material you're is the for that project. I get for you now, yeah. 
And you've got a Instantly. separate folder, a In separate projects. project folder called Pizza Pro Oven. Well, yeah, I've got a folder called Projects, and then I've got a page called Pizza Oven that then takes you out to different links. So when I go to Jiu-Jitsu on Wednesday, <laughs> I speak to her. Well, so, so I do Jiu-Jitsu with this guy, Andy Lacey. And Lacey will say, right, I'm getting on with the Pizza Oven. And I'll say, I need my plinth to be, it needs to be one metre square by 15 centimetres thick. And I know now that... David's going to criticise it. He's going to say... Yes. Is that in your mind to remind you to ask Andy? No, 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 because I think once you've written it down, you don't need to remember anything. The only thing I'll have to remember on Wednesday is there will be a task in Google Tasks that will say, refer to pizza oven file, so you know what to ask Andy Lacey. Right. No, I'll just remember it, because I've done because what David would actually, and we're getting a little bit ahead of the book, he would say you should have a context list called jujitsu of things to do at jujitsu. Well, I've, he wouldn't actually, because he would say, because I've only got, because that's a pizza oven thing, and I see Lacey either on a fr Wednesday or a so Friday. So the reality is Lacey's view reminder anyway, because you'll know, oh, Lacey, by the way, my pizza oven. Yeah, then Lacey, because he's a structural engineer, like he's my structural <laughs> advisor. He's your advisor on but that project. the point is, that's a project, the pizza oven. Yes, and it is. And David Allen would say, that's a project. And an important sale for one of our audience is a project. But my point was going to be, is I was going to start a free trial on monday.com. Tried it. Any good? Not as good as Asana, mate. But, but, but my point is, is actually, if I'm 21, do I need to go through the rigmarole of learning that system or just get Asana on Monday? And that, to a degree, makes but, some of this irrelevant. No, it doesn't. Because if I'm 21 and actually I don't know how to do GTD, Asana is just a weird alien software app that do, that's doing, frankly, my fucking nutting. I thought you liked it. I love it. But do you know why I love it? Because I came up in an era of A4-sized day-per-page diaries yeah, where you had too. 15 columns written by hand... And on a Sunday night, Johnny, you've seen my diary. on a Sunday night, I used to sit in my shared house with, when I was 25 years old, ruling up my diary for the week with my Steve column, my Dave column, my personal column, my finances column. So for me, having the concept of separate contexts, dependencies, separate projects... I'm good with it, and I learned how to do it in a very, very analogue, paper-based way, and I was very disciplined. Come on, we need to crack on with this book here, because we're... We're actually talking about it much more than we anticipated we would. So the next bit, page 42, he talks about your calendar. Time-specific actions, day-specific actions, day-specific information. Yeah, now, you see, I'm not a big... I, I, I think that calendars... I quite like that, actually. I don't like to see reminders in a calendar. Uh, well, you know, I think... Google have got this so much better than Outlook, actually, as a man that uses both. On your Google calendar, you've got your calendar and you've got tasks and reminders as a separate column down the right-hand side. That's works, cool. Works Works nicely. Really well. Whereas in Office 365, that's not how it presents because reminders is a separate tab, so you've got a tab between the two things. Yes. That's why I don't... Outlook uh, is... And, and the other problem is Outlook's not as good as it used to be. Outlook's not as good now as it was in... 2006 because in 2006 i could get an email i could drag the email into tasks and make a task out of it and then any other email that related to that task i could drag into that task as reference material for yeah, that Outlook doesn't manage I, can't, I, I can't do that now 
Yeah, I do. Agree. I've got a load of cloud apps that don't really talk to each other. Google's and much it's like Microsoft have forgotten actually. I mean, Office three six five is de facto standard, and there's the calendars a lot, for managing your time. But but actually, Microsoft haven't quite remembered that they're in the productivity business. Now on page forty seven, he talks about having like this 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 uh, typical partial Sunday maybe list. What do you think of that? I have one. What a Sunday maybe list. Yeah, I do. I have one. I have it in Google Drive. Um, and I've got uh, an Excel spreadsheet or Drive spreadsheet, whatever okay, it's called. Sort of stuff I might where, do where one it's day. got tabs on it. Um, films to watch. Yep, I've got that in a sign. Uh, brandy to drink. <laughs> photographs to take that makes reference to my photograph book that I'm reading at the moment. Right. So if I'm just out pottering around with the kids or whatever, and I think, you know what, I'm going to come up here and I'm going to take because where I live, I can see Leeds pretty much. So, so I think to myself, I'm going to come up here, the sunrise is behind the city, I'm going to take a picture of the sunrise behind Leeds. I just put it in my uh, Google Drive. And actually, if I can't get into Google Drive because there's no 4G, I send myself a text message that I then unread to do it. So I'm actually into his partial list. I think it's quite a good idea. Well, it's funny you should say that. I've got a list of books. Uh, it's, it's called JG Content and Things to Read. So I've got a list of movies I want to watch in, in order of what order I'm going to watch them in. I've got a list of all the books because I've got more books at home than I've got time to read that I haven't yet read. So they're all categorised in order of what am I going to read next. Mm. But that's what he's saying is by doing that, it gives you the mental space rather than walking into your office, seeing a massive pile of books and thinking, shit, I'm a loser, I haven't read all these books. Exactly, yeah. So let's get through this book a little bit Chapter then. three, getting projects underway, the five phases of project planning. What do you make of this one? All right, I was still going to talk about this one. The five phases of project Project planning. I've put here, I like the natural planning model. I liked this model. I think it's really elegant. In fact, nice. it was a very good reminder to me because I haven't been doing it and I started doing it on Friday afternoon, particularly defining the purpose of a project. Why am I doing it? Yeah. What is the purpose of this project? And then actually defining what will good look like at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, think it's I, great. I know Lily sat here monitoring the, the, the feed and monitoring the stuff. There was a load of stuff that Lily and I talked about on Friday that were projects and separate task items of each one. And with each one, I deliberately on Friday afternoon sat down and said, what's the point of this task? And actually, what will good look like when it's done? I, yes, I agree. I talked about it. I'm going to read a little bit of it. That was your outcome visioning, whereas the purpose of why was why you were going out to dinner. Your vision was the Im- image of what the physical worlds looking sounding and feeling the ways that best fulfilled your purpose yeah and, and i mean that's the end obviously of quite a long chapter because he like uh paragraph because he likes writing a lot of stuff yes but his point is as you say is actually where am i at with it is this what i thought it was going to be so i think quite often people just create a project for a project's sake you know it's easy isn't it when we get a brief, this project and then everybody has a meeting it's easy when we get a brief from a client to create a project We've got a good project plan. We know the system works. You know, 100 job casts. We get eight candidates. Blah blah blah. But sometimes you look at it and think, Do I actually need to do that? Is that the right thing to do for this? Yeah, why am I doing it? Am I doing it because I'm going through the motion, or am I doing it because it's the right thing to do? Now, I think what a lot of salespeople do, and this is a get, flipping on what I was, and what other organisations? Well, flipping do. on what I was, I was going to say about sales automation is, I think that quite often the sales automation uh, software programs say. I've given you a lead, so therefore you have got to go through all these all these different processes. Yes, Whereas there needs that's... to be a human point that says, "I've given you a lead. Stop. I'm a human being. Is that worth? A, is that a lead worth going after? But oh, they are hiring. They are doing this. Oh, but they've had twenty firsts. 
Ah, none of the, I've not hired any of those first. Right, I'm not going to do it. And I think that's just a fine yes. balance. Why is well? Why is this a lead? Yeah, but there's but it doesn't say that in this book, and it doesn't say that in any of this. No, but it's that kind but of ma- it's that kind of natural book. thinking, isn't it? See, that's why that's how the book should have been rewritten. Rewritten, I think. I think the book should have said. It's actually. Let's look at the natural planning model. Let's say you're a salesperson. You've got a lead. Apply these five things to it. If it had said that, I'd have been close to giving this book a 10 out of 10. He's actually a lot of the book, and he does allude to it, but he doesn't allude to it enough. And I wonder, I can't wait to ask him about it as a guest, is a lot of the book is actually about basic mindfulness of what's in front 100%. of you. 100%. So Self-conscious 66, mindfulness. What is the purpose of this meeting? Why Who should here? I invite to this planning session? Yeah. I'll tell you now, if you said to every single client, candidate, person, whatever that you meet is what's the purpose of this meeting? Why are we here? If you did that with every single one... Well, a, a, I reckon a lot of people had cut a significant percentage and proportion of the meetings that they tend to attend. Oh, 100%, yeah. 100%. You know, like, I, I know of one organisation, I know of one person I know, they have, this, they have this sales call on a Friday. They all sit there on the phone and everybody talks about their pipeline. And let's get it right, There's Mike. There's Oracle. Let's, let's get it right, Mike. We <laughs> used to have these meetings, didn't we? Morning meeting, afternoon meeting. Morning yeah. meeting, afternoon meeting. And everybody turn up and do their bit. And actually, when we did the maths, it was costing us 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes in the afternoon, half an hour a day, times X many people in the meeting. It was costing us thousands of pounds in productivity. And actually, there's a point where you ask yourself, why are we doing this? Well, here he says on page 71... One of the most powerful life skills and one of the most important to hone and develop for both professionals and personal success is creating career outcomes. Now, actually, me and Johnny have been working on something sort of slightly different, a different project, um, and I've been doing it with this guy, and Johnny's sitting in on that meeting on Wednesday. I'll tell you now, you're going to sit there, they are going to turn up mob-handed, these guys. They're a partner, so we're not... <laughs> they're not a client, they're a partner. And I mean, they're some really bright... Very, very well paid people looking at them, and you're going to sit there and think, God, what are they all doing here? Why are they here? Literally, sit there and think, Why are they all here? What are you all doing? Now, I could have gone to that meeting on Wednesday, I'm not going, and I was talking to another guy about it at the weekend, and he said, Why aren't you coming? I said, What's the point? I know what you're all going to say. What's the point? And actually, there's one, one of us is going. I know what you're all going to say. <laughs> one of us is but going. So, you get it, you, know, you walk past the meeting room, and it's full of like 30 people. And, you're all, and they're all Let's sat Let's get there. right, we're working in a, in a shared service office. Yeah, we see it all the time, don't we? Oh, God, yeah. But, in fairness to David Allen, he wouldn't be happy with that. And then in part two, next week... Can we just do one more thing on this, actually? Oh, OK. So there's a couple of bits, actually. So the next thing he says is, what will this project look like when it's done? How do you want the client to feel? And what do you want him to know after the presentation? I mean, that's a good question. It's a, a brilliant really question. Good question. What will it look like when it's done? And actually, how many people truly remember that through the duration of their project? Well, let's think about a really big sale. Think about a big, complex sale. Everybody knows what the outcome is. It's winning it. But there are so many component sub-projects of a big sale, mm. of a big, complex sale. The bid, the tender. What will good look like? I had a candidate recently... And um, he said to me, they wanted to arrange a meeting with somebody. And that's what bid managers get paid for. Oh, of course it is. And, and he said to me, what do you reckon of that meeting, Mike? I said, I don't see the point of it. Why are you going to go and sit down with them? And he went, right, we're not going to do it. And, I come, and, and I've got another client 
whose watchword, and he was a sales director of a very big software company, is he said, I try and keep my decision to as few people as possible. Yeah. Whereas I think a lot of software people try and involve too many people a lot of the time because they might be an influencer. Well, how often do we get a request at second interview stage? What do you want the candidates to prepare for the second interview? I'm going to prepare a 30, 60, 90 day plan. Great. Okay. 30, well, 60, we never say, what, what, what are you trying to, to achieve by getting that? A 30, 60, 90 day plan of what? Oh, I wanted to prepare me a 30, 60, 90 day plan of what he'll do in his first 30, 60, 90 days. And then often I'll say to the candidate, need any help with the prep? And they'll go, well, yeah. Well. But very few people actually ask the basic question, which is, well, hold on a minute. If I'm going to do a 30, 60, 90 day plan, what's the plan to do? Well, very and few what, people. And, and what does good look like? And, and the, other, the other part that people don't ask is why. Yeah. Why do you want a 30, How 60, 90 day plan? How many candidates around you and go, oh, uh, Jonathan, I need to do a 30, 60, 90 day plan. How many why? Jonathans go, why? What is the purpose? What's the point? What is the purpose of me doing a 30, 60, 90 day plan for you? None of them what are you really. hoping to see in that? Th what is it about that 30, 60, 90 day plan that you're hoping it will exhibit to you? And that's not objection handling. That's just good thinking. Just it, that's good. Pre yes. Pre it's called presence of mind, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Anyway, presence of mind. you're going so to go to this part two. And, and let's be clear. So, the this book, part one, it, you've got to read it and carefully read it. You've got to really carefully read it. Part one of this book is good. It's got you going. It's good. And then in part two, it's th stuff's going to get very practical. He actually goes into the real nitty-gritty of implementing a GTD system. He does, apart from without giving the game away too much. Part two, and then I'll, then I'll let you wrap up. <laughs> chapter four. Uh, what I've written at the top of the book is, <laughs> this is the worst and most boring chapter I've ever read in any book. <laughs> so if you liked what you've listened to today make sure that you give us a review on iTunes make sure that you hit like and share make sure that you tell everybody about Book Club and we'll see and hear from you next week Music